A different future starts with you. That's why GoDaddy does more than help you find a name. You can create, sell, and get found online. So any small business could be a driving force to create change or build an empire. We know old ideas aren't cutting it anymore. So we're calling for a new generation of thinking. Your way of thinking. So whatever you have in mind that will help make a different future, find everything you need to get started at GoDaddy.com. Because the future isn't decided yet. It's up to us to make it happen. Start different at GoDaddy.com. COVID-19 patients need your help. If you've fully recovered from COVID-19 or unknowingly been exposed to it, you may have the antibodies that could help COVID-19 patients recover. Donate blood and receive testing for COVID-19 antibodies. Visit Vitalant.org today to schedule an appointment to donate blood. That's V-I-T-A-L-A-N-T dot org. Help save lives and schedule your appointment at Vitalant.org. You could help save lives. This is an ode to the glass noodle. You may be glass only in name, but our love for you is crystal clear in every Bibigo Korean dumpling. Your tantalizing texture tickles the taste buds, and while you are see-through, the world can't help but see you. The glass noodle, one of many obsessively crafted ingredients in every plump and juicy Korean dumpling from Bibigo. Go handcrafted. Go Bibigo. Authentic Korean dumplings now in the freezer aisle. Hi, it's Mark Reed Edwards. Welcome back to Confessions of a Marketer. We have a fun one today. My guest is Jacqueline Schiff, founder of Podreacher, a done-for-you service that transforms podcast episodes into high-quality articles. Before starting Podreacher, Jacqueline worked as a journalist for leading healthcare publications in Washington, D.C. and Chicago, and also served as director of communication for a global health research association. As a writer, she's published in a range of publications, including NPR, NBC News, Thought Catalog, The Muse, and her ghostwriting skills were noted in a 2017 article in Marie Claire. Wow, with qualifications like that, I'm wondering how you ended up on my show. Jacqueline, it's great to have you here. Welcome. (laughs) Thank you, Mark. It's wonderful to be here. So can you share your background that I just went through and how you came to found Podreacher? Yeah, so I am one of those people who has quite a nonlinear career. Join the club. (laughs) There you go. Uh, Those are the best (laughs) kinds, I think. So like you said, Mark, I I started my career in journalism in Washington, D.C., actually mostly focusing on global health. So being in the midst of a pandemic, I do find this stuff very interesting. Mm -hmm. And you know, so started in journalism, but then eventually kind of migrated over to the PR um, as well as a communication side and had a bunch of varied experiences. I'd say at, you know, at my core, I'm a content person. I love to describe things in the written word. And I've sort of honed that through different professional experiences that I've had. About four years ago, I decided to go freelance after working at a healthcare publication, B2B healthcare publication here in Chicago. And, you know, the first two years I was freelance and doing an assortment of things, including content strategy for an association as well as a startup. So just really kind of varied experience. I have been an avid podcast listener for many years. Um, You know, I like to say I started listening before it was like easy to get it on your smartphone. Yeah. 
and it was just, like a four or five step process to get it on my own <laughs> pod. Exactly. Anyway. You know, and I remember those days and would still listen. And so, you know, I've just always had an affinity to audio. As podcasting has grown as an industry, it's something, you know, I've just personally been interested in. And I started noticing that people were were wanting to, you know, repurpose and leverage their audio content in different ways. Long story short, I, you know, started working with a few podcasts where I literally was taking the content and repurposing it into a blog post or an article you know, that was about two years ago now, and the business has kind of grown from that foundation. Mm-hmm. But tell me exactly what PodReacher does for podcasters. Sure. So, you know, our core competency is taking the spoken word and turning it into compelling text. So, you know, we are a service that primarily takes your episode or really any recorded content. So sometimes we are working with videos, sometimes webinars as well, but primarily podcasts and turning it into either a blog post or other kinds of uh, long form written content. Sometimes we've done, you know, white papers, even ebooks. And, you know, again, the skill set is just how do you take a conversation, you know, or a presentation that someone's giving and turning it into something that people actually want to read and share and get value from. And then in addition to that, we also do show notes, which I'm sure we'll talk about more later in this discussion. Yeah. And my advice to a number of my clients in my consulting business have who want to write white papers or, you know, ebooks is to start with the audio, to have a conversation with the subject matter expert that they can then turn into multiple things. Often it's the white paper or the ebook that kind of leads. And I feel like it's far easier to just have a conversation with someone. I couldn't agree more. And exactly, like, I think that's a terrific use case, you know, for podcasting is exactly what you said, where you are talking to subject matter experts. And so sometimes, you know, what I see a lot is, you know, you might have these people within your company and, you know, having also like been a communications person in this position, you're trying to unlock that knowledge. And it's hard because these people have a lot on their plates, they have a lot of other things to do so that, you know, to sit down and for them to actually write something about their expertise is really challenging to do. But if you say, hey, can I grab you for a 30-minute conversation, you know, to just tell me about what you're working on, that's a lot easier to do, as you say. And then, you know, leave the turning it into something written, depending on, you know, what you need to use it for to someone else, not the subject matter expert. So, I absolutely love that use case. You know, another way I tend to think about podcasting, you know, as part of kind of a holistic content marketing strategy is, you know, a lot of times, and this definitely, I think, tends to be more the case for some of the smaller businesses and startups is, you know, it makes sense maybe for a founder to have a podcast as an opportunity to engage with stakeholders, whether it be prospects or, you know, other folks that they want to develop partnerships and relationships with. 
And so it's so valuable to have that conversation and, you know, kind of the structure of a podcast to, you know, to accomplish that. But then again, there's so much great information in that conversation, which could also, you know, eventually become part of your sales process. And so you have to, you know, the first step is having the conversation and then it's, you know, it's not necessarily the most efficient use of the founder's time, especially the podcast host to then sit down, listen to the audio and, you know, massage it in a way so that it makes for a compelling, you know, piece of content in a written form. Yeah, I'm obviously an advocate of podcasts, but I look at podcasts actually as a tool for B2B companies to use as you say, in their content marketing strategy. And a couple of people I've mentioned this to have said, yeah, but there's like a million podcasts, right? Mm -hmm. And I say, how many websites are there? How many B2B companies are there? How many companies are there that have websites? It's way more than a million, right? Mm -hmm. So my feeling is if you have a website and you're doing content marketing, audio, forget about the term podcast, for the moment, audio and multimedia mm -hmm. should be part of that, right? Because people learn in different ways. Visually, they like to listen to things, they watch things. So just having a website doesn't really cover all the bases. Exactly. I mean, I think, you know, if you are doing marketing in 2020, you know, you have to go to where the audience is and you have to provide content in a format that is going to appeal to the audience when and where they see it. Yeah. And, you know, some people might like listening to a podcast. Some people might never listen to a podcast. Some people might listen to it some days, but sometimes they might prefer seeing text. Sometimes they might prefer, you know, they might consume it as a LinkedIn update. So you just, you know, you need to cover your bases and have it in a format that's appropriate for the platform that you're serving it on. If you've recovered from COVID-19 or unknowingly been exposed to it, you may have antibodies that could help COVID-19 patients. Donate blood and receive testing for COVID-19 antibodies. Visit Vitalant.org today. Yeah, so that brings me to my next question. You know, okay, say you're producing a podcast, you know, how should people look at the content they're producing for that podcast? Not in a vacuum. They shouldn't look at it as, okay, I've done the podcast, I had it edited, or I just posted it and it's been distributed and I'm done. I'm going to move on to the next one. But that's what you're advocating is that they shouldn't look at it as in a vacuum, that it should be repurposed into articles and blog posts and you know ebooks or white papers, that there's more to make out of that content than just one thing. Absolutely. You know, I think of it as an efficient way of scaling your content strategy. And the reason you want to have, you know, lots of different types of content is, you know, not just to create more noise, but again, you're creating content because you're trying to reach certain people. And so, you know, what happens a lot of times with the podcast is people put a lot of effort into, you know, like setting up their conversation. There's the prep before, there's scheduling the guests, there's, you know, doing the research to make it a fruitful conversation. And it ends up being valuable. 
And, you know, what I'm saying and what we help businesses do is unlock the value of that conversation to scale your content and put it in the different places where it needs to be. Now, there's obviously, I mean, to your point, there's lots of different types of repurposing. You can repurpose for social and that's very valuable. You know, all we do, though, is taking the spoken word and turn it into readable, shareable text. I think it's a very specialized skill set and I think it requires a lot of effort and attention to do it well and to ultimately see results from it. You know, there's a lot of different strategies and directions that you can go with that, right? So you could think about taking the podcast content and turning it into content for your sales funnel, right? And this would be, you know, white papers, eBooks, that kind of thing. Another approach, and this is, we do a lot of this is, so people are publishing a podcast, maybe they're publishing it with, you know, a show notes page. So they're putting the episode on the website and then, you know, a month or two later, we turn it into a blog post, which then gets posted to the website and is building out the SEO traffic to their website. So it's making you discoverable through that channel. And what's very interesting with podcasts is, you know, people think about as as they absolutely should, you know, visibility in Apple and the different players and advertising on different shows. And that's certainly like the number one thing you want to do to drive listenership. But people, for whatever reason, like, you know, don't think about Google as a discovery channel for podcasts, which is a huge oversight. Right. Because, you know, how many times a day do you go into Google? Yeah. And just search for such and such podcast, you know, right? I mean, it can be a a great uh, tool for discovering things. Whether you end up listening to the podcast in Google, it's certainly a way to discover. Right. And even if you're not searching for a podcast specifically, if I'm searching for, you know, B2B content marketing, you know, and I could find my way to your podcast. You know, if I make my way to the website, it looks interesting enough. What's, you know, there's nothing stopping me from being like, wow, this podcast is highly relevant to, you know, what I'm looking for and, you know, subscribing right there. I mean, that happens. So you guys were gracious enough to do a marvelous job on a previous episode. And I kind of want to just walk through that if we can and just describe what it's like to have, you know, a podcast that I recorded and I wrote some brief show notes on, listened to and kind of analyzed by someone outside of my brain. (laughs) You know, it's because doing show notes. So I started this show in 2017 and I've done, I don't know, 170 episodes or something like that. And I had you know, so much ambition for this when I started and did, I did transcriptions, I did really in-depth show notes, but it gets to be a real chore. Mm-hmm. And it yeah. also, I found that I'm not the best one to figure out what was important in what we said. Friends of mine will listen and say, hey, I heard so-and-so say this on your podcast. And I say, really? <laughs> I don't remember that because I'm in the conversation, right? And I found it really enlightening to send you guys a link and have you take a look at the content, give me a description, a summary, even episode title options and insights and you know resources and highlights. It was really enlightening. Some things that I hadn't really even thought were in that episode. And this was one... We did several weeks ago called Video in Marketing. I'll put the link 
in the show notes for this. <laughs> it's just so much more robust than I could do myself. So I'm you know, really impressed by it. Oh, thank you, Mark. Yeah, well, it was a pleasure to do it for you. You know, I we spoke before and I said, you know, I'd love you to just, you know, try it out. You know, to your point, if you are, you know, creating your own podcast and, you know, even for some folks that are working with a small team and so maybe they're outsourcing the editing, it's a lot once again, you've, you know, put all the effort into creating a great episode to then do, you know, an A plus job with the show notes. And I think it's very interesting what you said in terms of, you know, when you hand it off to someone else, they sort of see it through a different lens. You know, memory right. is a very interesting thing. And I think when you're in the conversation, you know, and obviously, you know, you've been the one who's spoken directly to the guest, like, you know, you're seeing it through your own lens. And I think one of the really important things that we do with show notes, as well as, you know, repurposing into blog posts or articles, is we're thinking primarily through the lens of the audience. And you know that, like, when you submitted the show notes to us, you know, we ask you the first time you submit to us, like, there's a questionnaire, and we say, you know, who is the audience? And that's really important because, you know, if I, I was going to say, like, if, uh, you know, general, like, business owners were listening to this podcast, you'd pull out different pieces of content than if it was, you know, marketers. Like, we can get really granular, right, mm -hmm. on what you would pull out of the episode. So, yeah, so I think there's something to that. You know, I think the other thing with show notes is for a lot of people, and again, it's often just due to, like, you know, resources and time, they're an afterthought, you know, they mm -hmm. kind of are like... I've made this podcast. I have to do this because it needs a description when I submit it to the app, you know, and it's unfortunate because it's a missed opportunity. One thing that is frustrating with the various platforms that people listen on is that show descriptions, show notes, even individual episode images mm. are not necessarily used in the same way. So I direct people for my podcast to a website, yes, which using a plugin in WordPress embeds the audio from where we host the shows. And it looks really good. But I doubt that, well, I know that most people don't listen to it on my website, that they listen to it in a player. And I listen to a lot of shows in Apple Podcasts and I've got to, you know, admit that I don't necessarily read the show notes there. So what role should show notes play? Are they more for attracting visitors to your website and for SEO for other purposes? Yeah, that's a good question. And even the term show notes is very ambiguous. I think I once put out a tweet and I said, like, when I say show notes, you know, what do you think? I and mean, I was asking podcasters on Twitter and people were very split, which I was shocked about because I typically think of, yes, the text that is attached to an episode page on a podcast website. But some people thought that meant what they see in the podcast app, whichever mm -hmm. podcast app they happen to be, which I would call the, you know, podcast description, right? Or episode description. Right, right. So, you know, I think that's kind of a problem that we run into. Like, what do we mean when we say show notes? I think the opportunity here is that when you start your podcast, or at least when you get serious about marketing it, you know, asking yourself the question you asked, is this primarily a marketing opportunity or is it a tool 
for people who might be listening to your podcast? Yeah. Or is it a hybrid, right? Because that is going to change the strategy. And, you know, first of all, like how much effort you put into creating content for the episode page versus, you know, are you just going to create a really good description and, you know, having a podcast website or having your podcast live somewhere on your business website isn't a priority for whatever reason. So it's very individual. What I would say to the point of SEO is, you know, I've done some work with Brendan Hufford, who he's kind of like my go-to SEO person. He's really terrific, very knowledgeable. And, you know, we actually helped him a little bit with his podcast, SEO for the rest of us. I love the name of that podcast. And he was analyzing, you know, can a show notes page rank in Google? And he did a lot of research. And basically the finding was he didn't find a show notes page that ranked. If you want your page to rank, you really need to have, you know, a more significant amount of text and meaningful text than what we typically think of on a show notes page. So again, if SEO, if you're, you know, trying to align your podcast with SEO, and that's a big part of your content strategy, you definitely want to be repurposing into, you know, into articles. And I've seen podcasts that they won't have a typical show notes page. They'll have the page for the episode. They'll have the player in there. And then they'll have like a 1,200 to 1,500 word article that is based on the episode. That's essentially what you gave me for my show of a few weeks ago was a description that we can use for our podcast and have that go into Apple and Spotify and Google and so forth. But then there's an extensive kind of write-up about the show and the various components and quotes. And it is just tremendous. And it's a heck of a lot more complete than I could do myself. I want to talk about how you actually do that and what goes into effectively turning audio into readable and shareable text. How do you actually manage to do that? Obviously, someone listens to it, right? And what's the Mm -hmm. process? Yeah. So with show notes, someone is listening to it. And so right now we have a team of 25 writers who have, I basically screen. So it's interesting screening writers when you're a writer yourself, Mm -hmm. because, you know, It's, it's hard. It's hard. You know, you're overly picky. In my case, I'm probably too in my head about it, but there's definitely a perfectionism there. And, you know, I'd say probably one in 10, one in 12 people that we end up testing, we end up working with. So the writing team I have, I have so much confidence in and know that they can do this well. So let me actually talk through the process of taking an episode and turning it into a blog post, because that's obviously a more intensive writing process. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so even before listening, you know, so we kind of talk about this at a top level of having four steps. And so the first one, you know, even before listening is you want to uh, think about the strategy, you know, where are you planning to publish this? Is this, you know, going to live again on a podcast website, on your business website? Are you going to publish it to LinkedIn? Or are you going to submit it to industry publications or as a guest post? Because that's a use case we've seen that I think is very interesting. You know, we've worked with a company that, a software company, and we've turned episodes into articles for them that they've submitted to major tech publications, including TechCrunch, and had them publish there. So it's, Mm -hmm. you know, they did the work, did the interview, and then we turned it into an article that they can now say their podcast was featured in TechCrunch, which is, you know, really valuable for brand awareness. So 
first step is to think about, you know, how you're going to use it because that's going to influence how you write it. And, you know, obviously, if you're submitting it as a guest post, you want to pay attention to contributor guidelines and stuff like that. The next step is to actively listen to the episode. And a lot of times clients will say, well, you know, if I give you a full transcript, you know, can someone just create an article based on that without listening? Because, you know, part of our pricing reflects that someone is actually listening to your episode start to finish. And in my experience, that just doesn't produce the same caliber of content because there's so much that you're able to gain from listening to, for example, the reaction of the host yeah. to certain things that you just don't pick up from a transcript. And I'll tell you, that's one of the reasons I stopped putting transcripts on my show pages because I felt like it really isn't the same as listening. Mm-hmm. And just like there's no intonation or yes. emphasis in email, and you can be offended by someone saying, what do you mean, question mark, in an email, when, you know, if you actually heard them say it, it wouldn't feel as offensive. You know you know what I mean? I mean, so when you read a transcript, you don't really get the feeling that you get with someone's real human voice. Exactly. And especially, you know, the types of podcasts that we tend to work on sometimes are very industry specific and we're really in the weeds on, on certain topics like, you know, finance or retirement or, or something like that. And so, you know, again, because you're writing for a specific audience, it, it hope you know, listening to the conversation will give you a clue as to what might be really important to that audience or what mm-hmm. might be surprising to them. So listening to the episode, I think, is pretty non-negotiable. You know, the next step is to, to then sit down with your notes, you know, and while you're listening, obviously, you're also like grabbing some of the, you know, interesting quotes um, and language that was used in the episode. And writing it means, you know, structuring it, not necessarily following the flow of the episode, because a lot of times, you know, people start off and they have to ease into a conversation and it might be 20 or 25 minutes in that they, they're really getting to the meat of it. And you probably want the meat of it higher up as part of your introduction, right? To hook right. readers from the beginning. So the writing process is where you, you know, structure it and create this cohesive narrative based on the content from the episode. And then the last step is, you know, is really important. That's where you edit, position, and refine it. And I, I always say if that if there's a key to standout content, it's editing. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's that goes for any format. You know, your first draft is never the best draft. So I think it is really, and this, you know, even if we're not doing this for you, you know, you can always self-edit. And so, like, even if you write something up and you sleep on it for a night, I guarantee that if you look at it the next day, you're going to be able to improve it a little bit. So that editing is really important. But this is also the step where, you know, we're thinking just on the content marketing front, we're thinking about like, how do we position this? So who's going to be reading this? And like, what's a message that's going to really resonate with them? And so an example that I would give for how, you know, practically this works is, so we work with Squadcast. We're recording on Squadcast right now. And we turn their episodes for their podcast between two mics into content for their blog. 
And they did an interview with Chris Kremitzos, who's the founder of PodFest, which is a major podcast industry conference. So they did an interview and they didn't say to Chris during the interview, they didn't say, hey, Chris, how does it feel to be the podcast industry super connector, right? But Mm -hmm. when we were like, step back and we were like, oh, this guy's the podcast industry super connector. You know, he's made a conference to connect all these podcasters. So we use that in the headline. You know, that's like an eye-catching thing because people are going to want to know, like, who is the super connector? And then also that's obviously a title that he's proud of. So he's incentivized to share it. So that's what I mean by positioning is thinking of opportunities to, you know, intrigue and, you know, draw your reader in. Yeah. And we, I should explain, Squadcast is this great system that I use and many podcasters use to record interviews with people who aren't in the same room. And yet it sounds a lot better than a Zoom call because it's engineered and designed for recording on individual devices. So it's tremendous technology. And it's it's really interesting what you just said about that interview, the Squadcast podcast. And that was my experience is you notice things that just go right over my head. When I'm interviewing someone, your analysis was that you really were talking about this. And it's like, oh, yeah, you know, you're right. <laughs> but that's the way conversation conversations go, right? Yeah. You know, I think conversations aren't linear, you know, and we don't speak the way we write or hopefully not, (laughs) Um, you know, so, and that's the thing. And that's why, you know, this is like a skill set that we just focus on because again, I think there's, you know, there's an art to extracting this information and then, you know, positioning it for the reader. Yeah. So you're building an empire, and I want to find out about this acquisition you just completed, a newsletter called Podboxer. What's that all about? Yeah. So, I mean, clearly the name was so similar to Podreacher. I had to have it. No. no. So actually what happened there is, uh, you know, you will know this, that you know, podcast discovery is challenging. Mm-hmm. And there are all these different newsletters that make podcast recommendations. And I subscribe to a number of them, including Podboxer. So Podboxer is a newsletter. And I actually knew the guy, Paul Metcalf, who was running it. And he would just send weekly recommendations. And this was for business podcasts. And, you know, and it was typically stuff kind of in the entrepreneurship. Yeah, just kind of dealing Mm -hmm. broadly with entrepreneurship, I guess. Let me put it that way. He sort of got busy with other projects. And I really liked this newsletter and saw it as an opportunity to help promote, you know, the podcasts, that the kinds of podcasts that we work with. This definitely is not a pay-to-play or anything. And you know, we're not guaranteeing placement for our clients. You know, I took it on basically as, as a content marketing opportunity for Podreacher, mm-hmm. where, you know, the content absolutely comes first. Our goal is to recommend podcasts that help you with business growth. So whether that be through sales, marketing, you know, we want to uncover the best episodes that will help you grow your business if you're an entrepreneurially minded leader. Right. Mm. And so that's the goal. The newsletter is going to resume in December. So there will be weekly episode recommendations. And what we've done as well is added a blog to the Podboxer website that features business growth advice 
But our slant is that it's all sourced from podcasts. Hmm, That's tremendous. Yeah. I'll be interested to watch that grow over the next year or so. It's interesting because, you know, as you said, podcast discovery is usually like a friend will say, oh, you should listen to such and such. Yes. And finding out about them more systematically is probably the better way to do it. Yeah. You know, I think it's another way to find out about them. You know, and I think we've talked about a few other ways that you can do it. I mean, I just, I really like email newsletters and a lot of people do. So it's, yeah, it's another discovery channel. Yeah, great. So to wrap up, where do you see podcasting going over the next few years? I've talked to a number of people and some people think, oh, it's peaked. And I don't believe that. I think that it's going to become bigger and bigger for the next several years, at least. What do you think? Yeah, I'm with you there, Mark, which probably isn't a surprise. But yeah, I think to go back to, you know, an earlier point that you made, I think that there's a lot of different podcasts. And I think a lot of times people will just think about like, okay, how do you build audience for this podcast? And I think audience building for podcasts is going to get more and more challenging. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I think it can be a very powerful way to deliver a very specific kind of content for a specific kind of audience. And so I think we're going to be seeing a lot more different use cases for podcasts. I was just speaking to someone earlier who actually just focuses on internal company podcasts. Oh, yeah. I've talked with many clients about that. And it actually harkens back to something that I used to do a lot of in the 80s and 90s. And that was for salespeople, education for salespeople on cassettes. Right? And mm-hmm. we would send them out. And that yes. was kind of like a proto podcast. And we're doing it again with this mm-hmm. technology. Yes. You know, and I think now we just have easier... You you don't have to get a, you know, record on a cassette and then send it in the mail, right? Mm-hmm. It's all digital. And especially now with the conditions that we find ourselves in, where so much of work has had to go virtual, you know, there's a huge opportunity for companies to be keeping employees informed that way. And then also, I've seen it a lot with recruitment. People, you know, using podcasting as a way to recruit and bring in, you know, talent into their talent pipeline. So I think we're going to be seeing a lot more of that. For the general, like, you know, I guess consumer-facing podcasts, I think we're already seeing this. But, you know, it used to be... You know, the last few years, I think there's been an explosion of the long form interview format. You know, people haven't had to be constrained to time sensitivities. And I think there's a bit of a backlash to that, for lack of a better term. And so I think people are definitely gravitating and craving more shorter form content. Right. And so I've seen a lot of like podcasts pop up where it's just five or 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. So I think we'll certainly continue to see a lot of that into 2021. Yeah, I had this thing with this podcast where I tried to keep it to 15 minutes and then the conversations would keep going. And I thought, well, why don't I break it into two episodes? And that seemed artificial. So I've just let them become organic and they go as long as they go. Sometimes they are 15 minutes, 20 minutes, but we've been going for 38 minutes and 35 seconds. I was going to say, you know, sometimes you get like a long guest like me. <laughs> no, but <laughs> then, what know. I found is that when I stopped worrying about how long it was, they actually become more 
kind of uh, in-depth and engaging discussions, which is what we've had. We haven't just said, okay, what's Podreacher? What do you do? And, yeah. how do you, you know, and then, okay, hey, thanks. This has been a more substantive discussion, I think, because I've kind of thrown away the idea of keeping it to 15 minutes. Yeah, and I agree, you know, and obviously, like, you did a lot of preparation before this episode, and, you know, we kind of knew some of the topics we wanted to address, so that helps a lot. I think, yeah, and I don't think there's a problem with longer, as long as you can, you know, to your point, engage the listener's attention. And, you know, this is another point that I think you've just made, is it's very hard to be brief and to be valuable. Yeah. You know, I that in some ways takes a lot more work to do that. So, but I think there's, I th certainly think there's a market for both. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Well, this has been a wonderful discussion, Jacqueline. Thanks so much for joining me. It was really informative. And I want to challenge myself to see if I can write some notes and articles about this, live up to the quality and the bar that you set. Oh, well, thank you. I take that as a high compliment, Mark. And I know you can, but I think a lot of, as it does for a lot of people, you know, it just comes down to time and priorities. And we all have so much competing for that and for our attention. So it's a challenge. Yeah, definitely. Thanks so much. Thank you. All right, that does it for this week. Thanks for listening. I'm Mark Reed Edwards, executive producer, writer, and host of Confessions of a Marketer. Shep Salau is my producer, helping put together the shows every week. Annalyn Timball is my assistant, and she helps with guest relations and getting everything scheduled just right. Thanks, Sheb and Annalyn. Confessions of a Marketer is a trademark of Podco Media Networks, and this episode is copyright 2020. Stay healthy and see you next time. You want cash. You want to get stuff done. So what do you do? You buy 5-Hour Energy, of course. You upload the receipt to 5hewin.com, then find out if you've instantly won 10, 100, or even $1,000. Then you drink that 5-Hour Energy and cut through your to-do list like a hot knife through butter. 5-Hour Energy, the official sponsor of getting stuff done. No purchase necessary. Must be 18 and a legal resident of the U.S. Ends June 30th, 2021. For rules, visit 5hewin.com slash rules. Void where prohibited. Message and data rates may apply.